0: I met you, there was peace
1: under. I set up
2: to get you with a fine tube. Overrated, underrated, brought to you by our friends at Inward Half Golf. I just posted from the Fox Sports Knox X account a giveaway. We are partnering with Inward Half to give away one of those beautiful orange and white polos that they have. Got a little, you know, a little flower vibe to it. It'd be perfect for for football season and and Nico. You throw your lay on it. But hey, before then, get ready to hit the links. Get out and play some golf, or or have your shirt to wear during March Madness or for for Vol baseball. All you gotta do, go to that tweet, Fox Sports Knox on X, retweet it, and give Inward Half Golf a follow, and you can enter to win a free shirt. Courtesy of me. Courtesy of me and our friends at Inward Half. Inwardhalf.com. Enjoy the walk in. All right, Sam, you said you got some overrated underrated to play? Yes, sir. It's a Wednesday segment. It's Thursday, but whatever. We we got behind yesterday, so let's play today. Overrated. Very
1: overrated. It's overrated. Overrated, my friend. Overrated. I'm going to tell you why. I think that's a solid rated right there. perfect rated. He underrated, man. He has some swag.
0: He has some real swag. Lobsters are underrated. They don't die.
1: All right. We got a little bit of overrated, underrated. Here we go here, fellas. Overrated, underrated. We got spring training.
3: I'm a big baseball fan. I think it's underrated. That said, it's expensive. Um, That's the part I don't love. The tickets are not cheap. But um, the experience is awesome. Haven't been able to do it for a while now. Um, it's nice to just sit out there, have a beer. Sometimes I actually go by myself because, you know, people in the fam aren't interested in going. It's like I'll go. I'll just sit, take in the game. It's kind of quiet. You still have a crowd there, but I like it, man. I, I think it's I think it's a great experience. Well, you say
2: expensive. How
3: expensive are we talking? Tickets could be as much. Um, you know, and they're just like, okay,
2: seats, but it's not a big stadium, but like 30 bucks, Okay. 30 40 bucks. Seems steep, but not as expensive as I would have thought whenever you said it was expensive. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't pay $30 to go watch spring training baseball. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I mean, if the appeal is sitting outside, chances are you're going to be in a city at spring training that has a better place to sit outside than at a baseball game. Or uh, you can go, go to the beach, go sit next to a pool somewhere. You don't have to get in the pool, but just sit there and listen to the water. I have no interest in spring training. Maybe you get one or cool one or two cool plays that happen a year, but no, I think spring training is very overrated. I get it, you know, if you live in the town and like your team happens to be there for spring training, like you're if you're a, a Yankees fan that lives in Florida and they come down once a year and it feels like a holiday, that's fine. But some people like travel around the country to come to spring training, and to me, that's always seemed crazy. Do you get like special access to the players? Are they more laid back? Do you get like yeah. autographs and stuff? Are they out there like?
1: Yeah, I just, feel like they're more easier to get definitely to. Definitely like a more kid-friendly environment. Yeah, okay, good well, family thing.
2: Maybe from that regard, it would be you know underrated. But like, no offense, Bob, but if I'm just a, a grown man sitting by myself drinking, I could do that somewhere cooler than a baseball game. It's for spring training. <laughs> it's
3: got to be what you're into. Kind of creepy. I, and 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 if you're you know if you're on spring break for week to eight days you know you're trying to get away from your family i get it (laughs) no i did not say (laughs) i'm going
2: to the baseball game honey you want to come no okay well Uh, i'll be back
3: yeah um for me it's like i can only go to the beach so many days and you
2: know you're like sand everywhere i gotta get out of here yeah
3: exactly you gotta gotta mix it up so it's not like i go to spring training like five days of the time i'm there it's like just get over there once and i'm good but it's good. I enjoy it myself. But yeah, you got to be, got to be kind of a hardcore baseball fan. And I, I love Major League Baseball. Right when it's leading up to the beginning of the season, I've got to admit. Once we get to like May, June, I tune out. Well, the, I was like,
2: it's over. I'll, I'll be yeah. back. I'll be back in, in August. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: All righty. We overrated, underrated. Mark Sears.
2: When I've watched Alabama. I'll admit, I, don't watch, I haven't watched a lot of their games, but like in the handful of games I've watched, he's been good, not great. So I feel like I have to say a little overrated just because he gets talked about as being the best player in the SEC, and I don't see that. Now, maybe against the lesser competition, you know, he is balling out and, and doing everything for them, but I, I think his, his stats are a little skewed with how fast they go. I mean, more shots and possessions they have. So, like, yeah, you have a couple extra assists. Okay, cool. But you're shooting the ball, you know, four or five more times than your opponents, and the points per game isn't as high as it should be. So I'll, I'll go a little overrated with Sears. Plus, I watched J- Jamal Mashak make him look like he didn't know how to dribble a basketball. I'm gonna say
3: underrated, and it pains me to say it because I don't like him. Um, I think he's a fair. He's he does quite a bit of trash talking and other behavior that you know, maybe he's got a chip on his shoulder, and that's what makes him good. But but. His importance to the team, uh, it's pretty pretty critical. I mean, I think that last night, for example, in that Florida game, that's why it was so tough. We talked about it that Florida had him, had a chance to take him down, and we even said it. It was like Sears wasn't doing much, but once they got to overtime, late in, the, late in regulation and into overtime, he he did what he needed to. And, and he had a good stats night across the board last night, Um I just think because of his value to the team, such a barometer for them overall, I would say he's – I hate it. He's underrated.
1: All right. Overrated, underrated. The window seat on an airplane.
2: You know, I got to say, I think I've been – had my eyes opened. Is it red pilled? I've been red pilled on the window seat. I used to like the aisle more, but now I think I like the window. The aisle, I'm a little wide. I get hit with a damn cart. I feel like I'm in hit the with way. The too. My knees kind of hang out a little bit. If I'm if I'm next to the window, at least I got that one side where I could just kind of fully lean on and, and put my stuff on and kind of lay my head next to. I'm not a bathroom goer really on the airplane. If I was a bathroom-goer and I wanted to get up, maybe that's important. But if I want to sleep especially, like, put me next to the window. Although, i got to be honest, I still find myself picking the aisle seat whenever I pick. But if I get stuck next to the window, I'm like, okay, that's okay. Like, if that's all that's left, it's okay. It's better than the middle. God knows I don't want to be in the middle. (laughs) I was in the middle one time next to somebody who was... Very hairy and wearing a mask and wearing a hoodie when it was, like, 90 degrees. Like, how the hell are you wearing all this clothes and, like, everything in 90 degrees? And he was on one side, and then next to me, I kid you not, was, like, a 430-pound guy. And he sat down next to me. I'm like, oh, my God. And, you know, he's spilling over on top of me. And then he was like, he put a seatbelt on, Bob. He's like, oh, my God. Yes. He's like, this is the first time I've been able to buckle the seatbelt without an extender. And I was like, good for you, man. We had a nice little conversation. Like, you know, I've been trying hard. He's like, I've lost like 40 pounds. He's like, I've been walking at night. I'm like, hell yeah, man. Good for you. And like, we're having a little conversation. I'm like, oh, I hope this doesn't continue for the three hours of this flight. But then he's like, we're getting, we're pulling off. He looks at me and says, I'm sorry for what's about to happen. And he immediately goes to sleep and just snores the entire rest of the way. And every time I move, he's like waking up and looking at me so mad. Like, quit moving. You're waking me up. And meanwhile, the person next to me on the other side is just all covered up and hairy and scary looking. And I was just like, this is hell. This is hell. And So in that scenario, I would have liked to have been next to the window. Sounds like planes are just overrated for you. I hate planes. (laughs) I really do. I truly do. I I need to make more money. If anybody's hiring, like in some type of executive position where I don't have to make too many decisions, but like a good job, like a cushion job where I can show up and be like a figurehead, you know, kind of like what Pearl did with Hackney. If Hackney's listening and you need me to come do that, like an advisor of sorts, a consultant. Maximum
1: salary, minimum effort.
2: Yeah, not maximum <laughs> salary. No, I, I, you know, six figures, you know, mid-six mid, mid six figures, you know. Again, not a lot of responsibility. I don't want to talk to any stockholders or, or have to answer for anything unless you let me delegate. You know, if you have an opening where you need somebody that, that's good at delegating, I can delegate. I can delegate. Although I don't know if I actually can delegate. Usually I just end up doing it myself. But, but if you're hiring, let me know, because I, I need to upgrade my seats on the planes. You were talking about the guy to your right,
3: Harry Mask, and et cetera, and I was thinking, and that's how I met Cody.
2: No, <laughs> Cody would have been the guy in the middle, or Cody would have been the guy to the left of me. Well, you said that. I didn't. Yeah, that's... Cody would have been the guy to the left of me. I'd tell him to his face. Um,
1: you still never gave an answer, John.
2: Um, well, at first <laughs> I said window seats were, were underrated. Okay. But then I said, I never actually pick them. I still pick the Seemed aisle. Seemed
1: like you walked back to take after you said Yeah, I did because I realized
2: I was kind of a phony. Like, I don't actually pick the window seats. Unless I will say, like, if it's like early in the morning, I want to sleep. I have started doing it for that. But other times, I'm just like, I'll just be, be on the aisle because there's a value of being in control of when you get up. Yeah, 100%. When I go to the movies, I'm near the I got. I'm, I'm an aisle seat guy. I want to be able to get up and get out without bothering people.
3: I think they're overrated. I'm an aisle guy. Team aisle seat. Um alpha move. Yeah. yeah. Expect nothing less. <laughs> when we travel as a family, my daughter always wants the window seat, which is great. I'll tell you what I don't like about the window seat. I'll always take it over a middle seat, but particularly if you're left side of the plane um as you're looking towards the, you know, the the pilot's cabin uh or the front of the plane. I'm left-handed. So if I'm on mm-hmm. the window on that side of the plane, I'm I'm totally debilitated, man. I can't, <laughs> you can't get your elbow rendered out. Rendered <laughs> nah, man, because I'm, I'm you know broad-shouldered and everything else. I can't really operate. And so in the aisle, yeah, do I get bumped a time or two? Sure, but at least I can I can kind of lean out
2: and uh, not really impact anything. So uh, it's even it's even cramps you up there in first class when, when you're up <laughs> on the left window. Well. I figured they they had enough room up there for you to stretch out. Yeah, that's all right, but I
3: don't don't fly a lot of first class.
1: On my trip this summer, it was like a nine-hour flight, and so I was obviously sitting aisle- and I got run over by that cart on my toes like seven times. Bumped time. into it every time. It woke me up every time. I was getting angry.
3: Yeah, but if you uh, if you're talking to a flight attendant, man, that's not your space. Yeah, it's so. not. <laughs> they clearly let me know that. Yes. Yeah.
1: They're like, sir, you need to move your foot. I was in. gonna I was say, like, they, they my knees not, are dying.
3: They're not gonna mess around. Not in this day and age. <laughs> it's like, you know, get your damn foot in, man. We're uh, yeah. yeah, because I've been there. I'm, I'm not saying that uh, you're alone there. I've done that too. But uh, now, nah, man, I. I'd, it's not even uh, a discussion or a debate. aisle seat, gotta have it. So I'd say overrated for the window.
2: If I'm traveling with a woman, I'm all right being in the middle because I just absorb her extra space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at that point, I'm fine in the middle. I'm traveling with a, a woman. Pop up that armrest, and now now I got two seats, kind of.
3: There's a quick etiquette question then for you guys. So if you're so if you're sitting in the aisle or the window. And somebody sitting in the middle that you don't know. How do you how do you approach it? As far as do you just you put the arm down, or do you offer like you know it's an option? Hey, do you want do you want the arm down, or do you not? Are you more comfortable with the arm down or not? Well, oh, I've
2: never I've never had a discussion about whether or not the arm's up or down. And as far as whether or not I take the armrest, I just make a calculation of can they whoop me, and if they can, then I give them the armrest, and if they can I take it. Yeah. Or I go to the front, usually, have the armrest. I'm a fidgeter, man. I'm a terrible plane yeah. passenger. I'm too fidgety as well. I I, uh, I feel so bad for the people next to me because at some point throughout the plane ride, right, especially if it's a three- or four-hour flight at least, there's a moment I'm going to lean up, probably put my tray down and try to put my hands on my head and just sit there, and they're going to be looking at me. Is this guy okay? Is he freaking out? I start moving, unbuckling. <laughs> Reaching into my bag, maybe standing up to go to the bathroom just so I can stretch my legs. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible pa- plane rider. Yeah, yeah. I
3: ask the question is what I do. Just you know, figure. Do any strangers say
2: they want to keep it up? Or yeah, really?
3: Sometimes yeah, it's a dialogue, it I'll go either way. But I, I, I figure suppose. it's a way depending upon. You well, know, you sometimes you get a vibe from whoever's coming in where it's like no, I'm not even gonna ask the question. It's arm down. I don't want to talk about it. And uh, but but a lot of times no they're
2: always like oh no cool yeah I'm fine with it however you want it thanks for asking. I guess it is hit or miss with those big wigs type up in first class some of them are too important <laughs> to be talked to and no I'm not some of them want the armrest up so you guys can network and compare notes and oh, here's oh. my beach house what's yours look like? <laughs> wow I like that on the interior when I get not my third true. one in the mountains I'll I'll add that. Ah, true. You know any good chalets we can go to? <laughs> chalets, that'd be good. You got another one? Are we good?
1: Uh, I got one more. Overrated, underrated. Uh, calling a timeout with the ball on the final possession.
2: Something that LSU didn't do, and it got them a win. I think it all matters on what happens, Sam. If it, if you if you are successful, then it's it's good. And if you don't get a bad shot, if you don't get a good shot off, you look dumb.
3: I think it's, uh, so what are you saying, overrated, underrated?
2: I'll say that it is all dependent. It's <laughs> properly rated. It's all dependent on what happens. If you score, it's good. If you don't score, it's bad. I typically like not calling timeout. Yeah. You know, assuming that you have a good guard that can get you in there and that you've practiced enough to know the plays and and know how to handle those situations, that you should you should always think that you're more prepared than your opponent. Right. That's what I would think. Like, if, if I was a coach and we're running through this nonstop, I would have confidence in my guys to know that we've practiced more than the other team and know how to get a good shot off.
3: So the question was calling a timeout yeah, versus yeah, yeah.
2: having a timeout. Yeah, yeah. yeah, calling a timeout.
3: Yeah, I think it's overrated. I think you're right. I think you should be prepared to have a, a way to win the game or, you know, whatever it is you're going to be doing there. So, yeah, I, I would agree. It's nice having the timeout. It's nice having it, but I wouldn't
2: necessarily say you got to use it. I think letting the defense get set is more advantageous for them than is you drawing up some type of play in six seconds. I agree. Coach Greg Polinski going to join the show after the break. Maybe we'll ask him his thoughts on calling a timeout at the end of the game, (laughs) whether or not it's overrated or underrated. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio.
3: Welcome back to the morning show. Got Bob Baskerville here with John Reed. Talk a little uh, Tennessee basketball. We've been talking about SEC basketball in general. There was a lot that went on last night, but uh, we—and I use the royal "we" there—with the Vols, we got we got our own thing to worry about. A lot of big games coming up, and we have our uh, weekly guest back in the fold with us. Assistant Coach Greg Polinski, Coach. Good morning.
0: Good morning, guys. I hate missing last week, but we didn't get back till about 2.30, which by the time you wind down, it's a very early morning going to sleep.
3: Oh, I bet, man. Not a problem. We kind of expected that, and uh, we'll always take take a win, too, on the road. So that was good. Yes, sir. Which leads me to my first question for you. Uh, it, it's been talked about a lot, and uh, we're seeing it really, in just a little over the past 48 hours. uh, UConn goes to Creighton, loses. Illinois goes to Penn State last night, loses. Kentucky at LSU loses on a last-second shot. And I bring all of these up because what we saw on Tuesday night with our guys in Columbia, I think it just underscores again, you know, however – uh, rough it may have felt from a viewing experience as a fan. I'm sure you all were feeling it on the you know the coaching side too, but you survive in advance, you know, again, you you take it as a as, as a win and you move on. Um I'm just wondering how it's feeling, you know, again the vibe with the team, you gotta be happy with the win. Um, but just curious how you, you know, you guys you just kind of wipe that out in your mind and it's like, okay, full steam ahead, no rearview mirror, it's all about Texas A&M now and then the games that follow, which are huge?
0: Yeah, I think you said it um, pretty well. It, anything can happen on the road. Uh, I did watch the Kentucky LSU. It was a terrific basketball game to watch. Um, you know, old Miss, Mississippi State was looked like it was a real fight. Um, you just mentioned Illinois, who we know how good they are. Uh, I think they led by ten in that game and lost to Penn State. I, I mean, I think that the we all know in basketball the, the home crowd, it the intimacy of those arenas with them right on top, like being able to, you know, be vocal and loud, and man, it's it is a difficult task to win on the road, and we certainly. I mean, you guys listen to Coach Barnes afterwards. He's about as honest a man as you'll ever meet. Um, and he didn't feel like we played real well in the first half, and I think that's probably the understatement, right? And I think it was more just um, I think Coach was disappointed in our execution and our effort. I think if we give those two things, we live with, you know, non shot making or. Um, you know, the other team, giving them credit at times. but uh, And we do give Missouri credit. Missouri played really hard defensively, really hard. Um, and then we finally found the stride in the second half. Uh, again, you know, we, those those lightning bolts, Dalton, Tobey, our guys came together and, and we put together a run. But I think I hope people also appreciate the fact that although the game was not aesthetically pleasing, um, especially for what we've been scoring, that our defense kept us in the game, on the road. And so credit to our guys, a lot of teams, their defense is predicated on their offense. That is where they gain enthusiasm, and that is not the case here at Tennessee. And I'm really proud of that, to be a part of it. And not to sound like a paid commercial here, but I am. It's, It's a special group of guys that can do that.
2: Yeah, but walk me on the sideline. Walk me through your thoughts during the start of the game, you know, because the start of the game was a throwback to last year's Auburn game, you know, where neither team can score. You know, it took Tennessee five minutes to get their first field goal. You know, basically right at the second TV timeout, Meshack hits the second field goal for Tennessee. What is it like being on the sideline when you're kind of stuck in a game like that and your team is maybe not executing or at least making shots? Are you looking for positives like, hey – on defense, you're still doing a great job, guys. The effort's there, and the shots will come. Or is it like, come on, guys, get it together, get a better shot, make it, let's go?
0: Well, I think it's the latter. I think we were um, not the latter on getting better shots. We, we had pretty good looks. I mean, if you go back to it, we Missouri did a good job like we do on defense. We grind you out usually. We don't let you get run your offense, and we're going to try not to let you get early good looks. And You're going to have to play through that clock. And uh, they did that to us, um even though we had some good looks. It just seemed like we were not sharp at all, obviously, on offense. I'm more of here's how I always feel: we will find a run, we will find an offensive run. You guys know what I mean by that, right like an an eight two, a ten two uh a six oh run where we get a little separation, and then once we get that separation, I think we'll be hard to will be hard to beat because we will stick with our defense, and that's where I was. Like, hey, listen, you guys are playing great D. You guys are playing great D. Do you think there was any one person on that team, and I'm not saying this facetiously to you, I'm just saying you guys have all been around athletics or been athletes, or do you think there was one guy on that team that didn't realize, God, right now, <laughs> we are struggling, man. We are awful on offense. Yeah. Oh, so why state the obvious? Let's just praise them for what they're doing on defense and know that at some point the beauty of it was we did score 46 in the second half.
2: Yeah, and you found one the run you're talking about, too, with Dalton Connect.
0: Yeah, and we would have loved to have had 46 in the first, believe me, Um, and, and made the game a little bit easier for us. But we couldn't do it, you know, and a credit again to Missouri, who played well at Ole Miss, who played well at Alabama. I mean, they play hard. They compete. Um, they had a game plan. They stuck to it. And um, we eventually broke the code, so to speak.
3: Yeah, I, I don't think Missouri goes after watching that game. I don't see them going winless in conference. There's no way. they, they Like you said, they've uh, certainly not given up. They're playing hard. You could see the defensive tenacity with them throughout the game and um, just feeling good that Tennessee escaped, honestly, with that win um i'm with you <laughs> yeah let's let's look ahead to uh to saturday obviously all yep. all the games are big uh at this point we've got some unfinished business with texas a&m and what's interesting to me is we haven't had a chance to talk to you since that game in college station and they they were they were on fire that night hit a lot of shots really worked and i remembered what you said um, a key to that game was going to be trying to win the backboard, is I think what you said. And uh, man, they they came hard at it. And that you know, uh, Anderson Garcia is just a beast on the boards, and he continues to be. Um, so what we've seen though in the last few games with them is the shooting that we saw in College Station against the Vols. It's not been there, and it's you know resulting in losses for those guys. As your as far as your approach going into Saturday, um, what what's you know as much as you can divulge? What's what's the game plan? It's obviously got to do a better job on the boards against them because that's where they make their hay. But um, just curious, what your thoughts are in terms of the approach for yeah. the team on this one? Yeah,
0: I think it's um, number one. They've lost three in a row. Um, the Vanderbilt game, I think. I don't. I can't explain. Coach Williams, uh, or players sometimes. I, I didn't think it was their like their sharpest hour. And Vanderbilt played really well, and we knew Coach Stackhouse and them would have them ready. Um, But I'll tell you, when I saw the Alabama score, I figured, or I started thinking, wow, did A&M just come out flat? You know, that happens sometimes to your teams. You're just not sharp. Right? Why? I don't know. If we could all bottle that, we'd be rich figure out how not to do that. But they did. Um, You know, but they didn't. They didn't come out flat. Uh, Let me give you a stat so you just understand the magnitude of what they do on the backboard. They had 26. Sometimes teams don't get 26 rebounds in a game. They had 26 offensive rebounds at Alabama. That is a lifetime for some individual players. I watched that game as I watched all their games leading up to this. It was a, I mean, wow. Something else to watch. Let me just say that. Their intensity, their effort, they are to be commended for how they go at it on the backboard. What happened, Alabama made 18 threes. Eighteen. So in that game, and look, give Alabama credit. They found a way to win. But it wasn't due to a lack of effort on A&M's part. A&M's going to bring it here. A&M lost to Arkansas. It wasn't due to a lack of effort, and Arkansas played their rear ends off. I mean, really competed. A 180 from when we played Arkansas up there. So Coach Musselman has his team playing much better, almost won in Mississippi State. My point being... We better come ready to play. Um, And look, there's no secret to what they do. They rebound the offensive board. They rebound, period. And they are physical, physical, willful drivers. Um, Give them credit on both. For a coach to get his team to do both those things is really difficult. But he's got older guys. They understand it. We're going to need a loud crowd in here to help us when we played down there, it was, it was, you know, we're getting everybody's best shot and it's a privilege because we put ourselves in that position, but now we got to take care of that. And, um, having a great crowd near, I know we'll have people in there. I hope they're just as loud as a and M's crowd was because it was deafening in there. Uh, and it really helped them. They played off that energy and our guys will do the same, but we've got a heck of a game on our hands this is an a m team that I think is an NCAA team without question. They're going through a tough time, but I think if I'm them, I'm saying, hey, we go in and we can win a Tennessee, Hey, we put ourselves right back on the NCAA map. So we better be ready to play.
2: Talking with Tennessee assistant coach Greg Polinski. It was announced yesterday that the Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center are going to do a checker crowd gimmick to get the boys fired up so yeah i think the crowd should be ready to go i got a question we'll though coach uh what, what have the coaches came up with a game plan for what happens if buzz williams runs out into half court again
0: <laughs> no um we're gonna let the um sec office handle that game plan
2: nice answer nice answer Leave yeah. It with that. yeah but yeah.
0: Go, uh, we're, gonna, we're just gonna concentrate on the game <laughs> Um Buzz is um that you know, unless they let him stay out there and it's six against five, then I think Coach Barnes would really be upset. But if not, now we just I think when that all happened, um I think it was more of like a safety issue and I'm sure, you know, it was in the moment for Buzz, the excitement. I, I can't explain it, but that's an SEC office question and you know, we gotta concentrate on what what we can do and how we're gonna stop A and M.
2: Did you find yourself locked in last night paying attention to Florida and Alabama as Tennessee is, you know, obviously chasing Alabama right now for the SEC championship?
0: Yeah, you know, um we all uh have different scouts. A and M is mine, and certainly I gotta do a better job than I did on the first go around. Convey it better to our players at least, and um so was was working on that, but I did have the game on. Uh and you know, would would catch it. Um, I saw where Florida was up ten in the second half, but you guys all know when you play Alabama, there talk about lightning bolts. Um, I happen to be watching the portion where they're where, where they hit, you know, big threes to get back in the game and went ahead. And I just thought it was a terrific game. I think Florida right now, um, if you had to re rank the league, you'd certainly have them in the upper echelon, wouldn't you? the way they're playing, Um, they're playing great basketball. And uh, that was a great win for Alabama. But, you know, the way that we look at this is that, uh, you know, it gives us an opportunity, you know, if if we can take this thing one game at a time, you know, we've got a really tough schedule. We know that going down the stretch. You guys are aware of it. Um, That's kind of exciting because it's going to prepare us more for the NCAA tournament. And maybe that does, if if we can win a number of those games, maybe it does allow us to get to a number one seed and or solidify our number two seed.
1: Coach, after you're playing a team, you know, just two weeks later on a short turnaround, what's kind of a, maybe an underrated difficulty, I guess, in terms of game planning and maybe also what's kind of advantageous in just that short turnaround and kind of being able to maybe catch them on their toes a little bit, or what's a, what's a difficult part also of having that short turnaround as well?
0: I don't think it's difficult. Um, I don't think A&M would think it's difficult. I think they'd welcome it because honestly, like when we played Alabama, we've got them coming up too, but in in a couple of weeks, I don't know when it is, but that was a long gap. My point is we're not thinking ahead to that at all. We've got to focus on A&M, but I think when you play somebody else, almost like the NBA being in a playoff series, um, what adjustments, what, what small adjustments, you're not going to make any big adjustments. And, look, we're going to do what we do and A&M is going to do what they do, right? I mean, it's, Coach Williams isn't going to change what they do for us. It worked the first time. If I'm him, I'm coming at it again. I think for us, we're going to have to maybe tweak a few things, but Coach Barnes has great confidence in our guys. And we just got, like I said, I've got to do a better job of conveying what we're supposed to do. And, um, you know, that's, and then obviously Coach Barnes is going to make the decisions on how that runs, but uh, and then go out and execute it. That, that's the best I can say it.
2: Yeah, as you're breaking it down and coming up with the game plan, like what percentage of the game plan comes from just the, the previous matchup against A&M, or are you looking at the games they've played since then in terms of getting your plan ready?
0: Yeah, good question. I I, I think both, but I think you also want to concentrate on Um, the things that they took advantage of you with uh, the first game. And you know you're not going to stop a team, but how can we limit, how can we, you know, lessen some of the blows that we absorbed in that first one? And I'm sure they're looking at the same thing. Um, So I think it's a combination of, but we definitely look back, you know, at the last game. And I'm certain that, a&M is doing the same thing.
2: Yeah, what did you see, you know, in, after the game against Missouri with your double big lineup? You know, I thought playing Awaka and Jonas together in the second half gave Tennessee some really good toughness and kind of helped shore up the rebounding a little bit, something you're going to need against Texas A&M.
0: Yeah, um, just what you said. You know, we were rebounding, rebounded being out-rebounded at halftime, and we had not done a real good job on the offensive glass. I think we had two. We ended up with 14, so 12 offensive rebounds and a half is is impressive. Um, but that is something that uh, you know we have an option to do with this team. We have some versatility, and um, you know we have great faith in Tobey and and Jonas. Um, this game will be really really challenging for all of our bigs and our guards. I would say that. Texas A&M, you know, we have this reputation for being so physical. I would say they are absolutely the most physical team in the league. And um, you know, I'll, I'll say this, like people talk about we're going to have to match. Now we're going to have to exceed that. We're going to have to exceed that here at home. Um, so the two big lineup does help us in some ways uh, with that on the backboard and just how we can go about our business defensively, but at the same time, you know, you give up a few things when you do that, but you also gain some things. And I think it's just the flow of the game. And I've never been around anybody better than Rick Barnes in terms of figuring out the flow of the game and how he wants to go about it. So um, we'll be fine from that standpoint. Hopefully, like I said, we're going to, you know, get it conveyed to our guys what we got to do and then execute the game plan.
3: Yeah. And you talk about Coach Barnes. This is, uh, well, we Whatever the next win's going to be, let's hope it's Saturday, that's going to be win number 800 for him. Um, So it'd be awesome for that to happen at home. Um, These games loom large. We keep pointing to this matchup against Alabama on March 2nd. There's obviously two games in front of that, so it's, uh, it's truly building up to... Everything matters more than
2: than ever right now, so we are now in the championship stretch exactly. as I've called it. Every game now feels like you're starting the the tournament run, the championship run for conference play, and then of course, the big dance. I yeah imagine so, the energy's picked up a lot inside of the locker room now when you kind of get to that part of your schedule.
0: Yeah, we've got a bunch of veterans. Um, you know you can't there's not much at Santi and Joe and Jamai, uh, particularly the first two, right? and Zakai, and Jonas, and I could go through all our older guys. They, they understand. I mean, they convey it. They, they know they, they're great with our young guys. The young guys, like Coach said, he was really proud of them for speaking up at halftime of the Missouri game and talking about our effort. That shows some sense of maturity that they recognize really what this takes. I don't know about you guys. I thought my first year here, which was three years ago, was one of the better years ever in the SEC, at least in this one-and-done era, transfer portal era, because I was first doing my first go-around. You know, guys stayed for three or four years, so the teams are tremendous. That was everywhere in the country. I've never had a year in the SEC where I think you are talking about nine of our teams getting in the NCAA, which would be a record if that happens. Um, it's a great league. Our guys know it, and uh, we got to focus on A&M, or there will be no next big game, if that makes sense. we got to take care of A&M. we got to work hard to do that. And uh, A&M realizes they got to do the same to us, right, because they're fighting for uh, – we're all fighting for something. Let me say it that way. And we expect a really competitive high-level game here on Saturday night.
2: Coach Greg Polinski, appreciate your time as always. On the way out, you can be real short with this one, and we want you to help settle an argument. Last possession, 10 seconds or so left. Are you in favor or against calling a timeout to set up on offense?
0: Well, I don't have to make that decision. I think um, Coach Barnes is probably going to err on the side of not calling a timeout because he feels like we run a lot of offense and go through those scenarios in practice. Um, and then you know exactly what defense they're in if you don't call a timeout. If you call a timeout, that gives them a lot of options, correct? Yeah. So you kind of count on your team to have the discipline and maturity to execute something that you've called. Um, And uh, I think it depends on the scenario, the level of maturity of your team, but there's a lot of variables to that, how the game flow's going. But um, I would say for us, you know, that would be just a feeling the coach has at the time.
2: You, you saw it lead to chaos last night for LSU-Kentucky, but LSU was able to find a bucket through the chaos with it. Coach, appreciate your time. We'll talk to you next week. Best of luck in the upcoming games. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Coach. Take care. That's what I said about the. you trust your players, that, you, that you've outprepared the team. We should be coaches.
3: Let's get out of this radio stuff. Go coach.
2: Well, again, if any schools are hiring, you know, to high dollar positions <laughs> to come be coaches or consultants, I'm open. That, I'm, I'm open. That, that, that My consulting business is open.
3: That don't involve a lot of work, right?
1: That's what you were no, saying. No, you earlier. know, well. You got to run your scouting reports. Yes, yeah, will, you know, yeah.
2: I, de- again, delegate. <laughs> I'm more the CEO type of, I run a CEO type of program. I'll let Sam do the recruiting. Uh, and come up with the game plans and I'll just uh call the timeouts <laughs> and be there for vibes
1: well yeah like you know
2: like I was me and Polinski are on the same same uh wavelength there we both said you, you trust your players you've coached them up in the summer you've coached them up in the off season. they know what posi- what they're supposed to do in those scenarios so trust them don't call a timeout I mean I, you know I'm not saying me and Coach Polinski are equal in basketball minds. He's a brilliant person, but I'm just saying we have the same answer in this one scenario. That's I love
3: saying I, I loved his uh, answer or lack thereof. I didn't expect any less when we asked about <laughs> Buzz Williams. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'll let the conference take care of that.
2: The no answer said it all. Yes. He
1: got a nice laugh out of it, yeah. too. Yeah. You
2: could tell him and Barnes have talked about it. Yeah. That. You can yeah. tell the coaches have uh, I imagine in the a hot topic film, in the coach's office. I yeah. imagine the <laughs> film review they lost their mind, like during the actual like watching the game back. They probably <laughs> said Zakai dribble into him if it happens again. If he if he's on the court, bump into him. We'll wrap the show up on the other side. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Ever Everybody- been <laughs> Appreciate Coach Polinski as always, for making time for us. It's been nice to develop that relationship, and it's made it a little more fun to watch the games. Like, oh, that's my boy. There's g Reg. Shout out to him. g
3: Reg. He, he caught, we didn't, I didn't want to bring it up. Boy, he caught a, he caught a stray pass the other night at Vandy.
2: Oh, I, you should have asked him. I'm sure he no, would have laughed about it. Hey, did it hurt when that ball hit you in the face, G-Rig? g Reg. <laughs> Uh, Dalton Connect up to number 10 in the Athletics' latest mock draft. Get him going to my Atlanta Hawks. I'd like that. Be a good fit. Need some shooting.
1: Would you buy that jersey?
2: No. No. <laughs> I don't think so. I got a Trey Young jersey. I don't... Well, he's going to be gone. Well, that's true. Uh, uh, we got a new stuff. face in the franchise coming in. It's true. The baby <laughs> face assassin. Connect is obliterating the SEC, scoring at a staggering pace. In 12 SEC games so far, he's averaging 25 points while shooting 50% from the field, 42% from three, grabbing five rebounds, 2.3 assists. Talked about him being a clear All-American. Nothing new there, but yeah, up to number 10 in the Athletics' latest month draft. I was by the new studio yesterday, checking it out. We're getting close. We're getting close. It looks nice. I know we've been saying we're getting close. You run into some wiring issues. You run into some some weird issues when you're dealing with satellites and radio. And I don't understand any of it. I just shake my head and say yes, sir, when they're explaining it to me. But hopefully, hopefully in the next couple weeks, we will be in there and ready to go and back on video. My mother's been asking. She likes watching us. Although it doesn't really sound safe, as she's like, I-, I pull up the Facebook whenever I'm driving to work. I'm like, Ma, you can't be, you can't be on Facebook watching watching TV while while you're driving. Focus. But hopefully, all that's coming up soon. I know the drive. The drive has a big programming announcement today, I believe. Right? They're they're yeah, announcing something new here at Fan Run Radio. It should be exciting. Get some people buzzing a little bit. Yeah, and we're not done. We got to couple other things
3: we're working on. Um, so it won't just end with today's announcement. There's a lot happening and uh, I'm with you, John. The studio's looking good. That home stretch where it's almost like doing a house. When you build a house, everything goes pretty quickly and then you start to get to the wiring and the infrastructure and everything and that's where it all slows down. we seeing a little of that, but it's going to be good
2: and it's coming. So we're excited download the new Fan Run Radio app I'm excited to get back on video next week I was told that we'll have everything live when it comes to signing up and more information on how to get involved with our charity golf tournament that's coming up in April April 20th we'll start having the stuff there and, and more details and Start running along and, and getting people signed up for that, I know people have been asking, but yeah, we are planning on launching that next week. I believe Tuesday is the day we're kind of looking at for that, so listen to the drive today, a programming announcement, and of course, keep up with us in the time being as we con- con- continue to push forward a little bit an Just old keep, uh morning boom
3: forward an old morning day part guy Houston cress he's uh, been listening to the drive he's uh He's getting nice and comfy in that in that fold. They, they got a good thing going with him and Russ and Bear, and it's a good show.
2: Well, that was a nice compliment. Do they say nice things about us? Always. They do? Yeah. Well, okay. about, about me, but I don't know about – no, they, they say nice things about yeah. the show. They're just trying to rub shoulders with the elite. I, I get it. <laughs> I understand. You saw the new Sentinel picture, yeah, that's right? that's true. <laughs> yeah. Bob front and center front and center towering over people power moved by you you yeah. look like a real alpha in the picture everyone yeah. else kind of sitting around <laughs> you bob and his terminator glasses and his sweater vest out there not a sweater vest but what do you call those just a quarter zip Just a quarter zip yeah it's out at the ball game it just happens you know it looks great and yeah. again you're standing up dark sunglasses towering over people yeah
1: if i didn't know you bob and i saw you out on the porch i'd have been like that guy's gonna kick my ass yeah
2: probably. yeah he's a big boy it happens
3: it happens. Now nah, it was a fun day at the park. But, uh, yeah, I was looking around at the recap of the game yesterday in New Sentinel and saw the picture photo gallery. And I was like, holy. And the only reason I could tell it was us was somebody in our porch had the big Tennessee flag hung over the fence. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to tell. That's why I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's me.
2: This guy's walked red carpets in Hollywood. He's worked with Howard Stern. He. He's sitting next to, you know, the best voice in Knoxville or the most influential (laughs) voice in Knoxville every day. And he still gets excited when he sees himself on the newspaper website. How about that? You never lose that six-year-old kid in you, huh? Exactly. Exactly. I remember the first time I was in the DPA as the Big Bad Wolf doing our live presentation of the Three Little Pigs at at profits, And they came and took a picture and put it in the newspaper. And I was like, that's me. I'm in the newspaper. I remember that feeling. Bob got it yesterday as he was scrolling the Knoxville News Sentinel <laughs> website. Hey, one last thing. This is what they
3: call in the business the, the kicker, the, the very last thing you see here in a show. Angel Reese, who annoys me uh, endlessly, uh, it was official that she was denied her trademark pursuit of Bayou Barbie. Oh, Never had heard that. Um, said that it would create too much uh, confusion with the the actual Barbie brand, um, but uh, it's a pretty that's a pretty uh, bold move to think
2: that you could uh, become Bayou Barbie. I guess it makes sense since Barbie has all the variations. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you want to see something funny, Stephen Peak KSR. Tweeted out the video of the last seconds. I just watched that in the break. (laughs) From KS Bar. From their their bar Uh in Lexington. I got to check that out. They got the camera and the fist pumps are going whenever. Dillingham hits a really long contested two. He was awesome down the stretch. Dillingham tried his best to get him to the finish line. And and then, yeah, just the stunned silence and people walking outside after after (laughs) LSU got him at the gun. Hate to see it. It's a beautiful video. Jake Miller, Brett Hollander, Marcus Young, Intern Jack. The crew is out in the studio. They're ready to bust in. Stay locked in on Fan Run Radio.